are in the divisional round now. It's the Elite Eight, the eight best teams in the National Football League, or at least the eight that are still playing. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Good to have you with me as always. Now, I, I want to take a second before we get into the you know, in the divisional round. And let's talk about the big announcement that happened today where the NFL released who the home teams would be, at least, for uh, the International Series games in Europe. Uh, in Germany, we'll start there. you got the Patriots and the Chiefs, both of whom have marketing interests in Deutschland and both of which have huge, huge fan bases in Germany. What's your take on that, Michael? Well, good evening, Jeff. Very good to see you. And thanks to everyone for the great support of this show last weekend as we looked ahead to Wildcard Weekend. Looking forward to doing the same. Uh, was sitting enjoying my lunch, uh, as you know, Jeff, and seeing you pop up on Sky Sports News. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, obviously, Chiefs and Patriots have the international home market in the agreement. And for people that weren't or maybe are not aware of this, it allows teams in certain regions to market themselves or advertise themselves, uh, create partnerships. So obviously, um, the future step or the hopeful step for teams would be to have a game in that region. Um, and Germany has got the, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Patriots and the Chiefs and two of these teams are now going to be game or they're, they're not going to have games in Germany this year and um, really you know we're, we're not sure Jeff where those games are going to be at yet there's talk of Munich and Frankfurt I don't know if it's going to be one or two like that that's the hope it's all TBC I, I know there's a lot of scheduling things going on there but it's funny because I I have tried to keep as tight-lipped on this as possible Jeff I think I told you about this we were leaving Munich airport after the Bucks Seahawks game it's coming down the autobahn and there was a big sign of Travis Kelsey and it said see you soon Germany <laughs> and it was like well, it's November it was yeah, November yeah, and Jeff. I think I think it's important that the fans understand that the AFC now has the ninth home game yeah and so it's a little easier for a team like Kansas City who gets great support at home or New England who gets great support at home to give up a home date to come and be the host team in Europe regardless Mike I think it's important to understand that these teams really are now vested and invested in this marketplace and in you know uh, Germany and certainly in the UK I think it's going to be interesting to see how that all sorts out my understanding is that they're in negotiations for whether the games will be both in Munich, one in Munich, one in Frankfurt, one in Munich, one in Dusseldorf. I think that's all yet to play out. But certainly, if you're a fan of um, NFL football on the continent, this is a great opportunity for you to see your football team. And, you know, think about this, Mike. I think here's the other thing to spin off of this. If you're a Patriot fan, mm. uh, obviously here, or a Chiefs fan here in the U.K., this is a much easier trip to make than to go all the way back to New England or go all the way back to Kansas City. So, you know, I think that's part of this that sometimes we don't think about. In London now, we've got the Jags, the Titans, and the Bills all hosting games. I said on Sky Sports today that I'm really proud of the Jaguars because they've invested in the U.K. They've, they've got people on the ground here. They've got an office in London. Um they do an awful lot in the community, you know, other than just playing their games at Wembley Stadium. And I think that they've been kind of a role model for all the other NFL teams about 
how to handle this uh, quote expansion, if you will, into the UK. Uh, certainly, the Titans are going to be an interesting one to watch in the offseason, Mike. I think that you know they fired almost the entire offensive staff. Uh, obviously, Mike Vrabel knows they need to diversify that offense. They can't be so reliant on King Henry. Defensively, they've got to get better in the back end. They've hired a, you know, they're going to go through the process of front office changes. There's going to be an awful lot that to watch. And if you're a Titans fan, this is this is going to be a crucial offseason for you. And in the Bills, man, oh man, there's not a chicken wing or a card table, a folding table that's safe anywhere in the UK next year. <laughs> Bills mafia wow. comes to town because you talk about. You talk about fans that can turn a football game into a party. They are the world's best. Um, I want to jump on one final thing about Germany before I tell you, and I'm, I'll talk away about what you said there. I agree with everything you're saying. Um, you're talking about people in, in, in the UK, Ireland, or Europe, and yeah, they don't have to travel as far to get to a game. Um, and I told you, I said it last year, like the, the thing that they set up where you had the team bars, Jeff has seen so many Patriots fans, so many Chiefs fans. I, I think that will eclipse what we've seen with Brady and the Bucks last year. I think it'll be tenfold. It'll be nuts. Chiefs have got the spot or got the agreement with, with Bayern Munich. Look, I'll go out on a limb. No affiliation with anybody when I say this. I think both games will be in Munich. Go on to London. It's a huge triumph for NFL UK to get the Bills over here. Uh, I just can't imagine how they're going to tailgate. Like, I, I was joking on the Gridiron Show earlier on about uh, there's that. I don't know if you've seen this famous chicken shop called Chick King opposite the Tottenham Stadium. Are they going to stand there with all the tables and stuff and have, and have a bit of crack? Jeff, it, there's nowhere for them to tailgate. Where, where are they going to go? <laughs> it's don't going to you, let me just say this. Don't worry about the Buffalo Bills Mafia in terms of finding a place to have a good time because as long as there's enough room to move, they will find themselves having a good time. It's going to be awesome. I think, uh, I, I think you know, we as football fans forget that there is a huge economic impact that these games bring. And you saw it last year when you went over to Munich. I mean, this becomes an event. And I'm talking about a major league event. Not only game day, but in the week leading up to the games and then after the game. So, I think it's a win-win situation, win for both the economies in the UK and in Germany, a win for the National Football League, a win for the fans, and certainly a win for the players because when somebody who's been in as many football games as Tom Brady has been in says post-game that it was as great an environment as he's ever played in, that's, I mean, that's pretty, that's a pretty tall First thing he said? Yeah, and, and, you know, again, I think the I think fans here in Europe and fans certainly all over the world, but fans here in Europe really need to take a bow because this thing has grown way, way past what even maybe Alistair Kirkwood would have imagined that it would become. So obviously NFL, the you know, the NFL community around the world needs to, you know, feel real good about this. It's been an unreal journey the last few years and like Munich for me was and I'll probably look back at this with you after the season's over when we when we go live with your 13 hour time difference in Hawaii um, 
Munich was emotional. It was just unbelievable. Obviously, I'm biased. I've seen my own team play the Jaguars at Wembley, the Broncos, and just some really, really good experience this season as someone working on it and also as a fan as well. I, I will say, Jeff, I'm not sure if you have the schedules in front of you, but um, there's some really intriguing matchups that could happen from these games. I mean, you, you could potentially have the Niners playing the Jags. Will Gavin said earlier on he believes that the Niners are pushing for that. Now, that might not happen, but he believes that is something that could happen. The Niners are an international home marketing team in the UK. Um, Henry Hodgson said, your good friend Hank said on the Great Iron Show earlier on, that he believes that maybe the Dolphins, the Jets are looking at fairer years down the line. So you could you could see like the Raiders, for example, play against um, the Titans or the Bills. I haven't got it in front of me anymore. But I, I think we're going to have some very, very good matchups. Uh, the next sort of level of the games in London. And I personally think, and I will say it on this show, I've said it nowhere else, I think post-2023, I think you look at another European city, and I think you know damn rightly what city I mean when I say that. So I think it will grow. Uh, and I, I think Paris or Dublin should get a game in 2024. And I do not think we should take it out of London. I think London deserves and has shown its reputation for having three games. Keep the three games. Uh, it looks as if Germany will have two for the next two years because of the whole situation with the renovations in the Azteca because of the World Cup. I think I'm going to go out in a limb and I, I, I think we'll have another European city in 2024. Well, just, just for the crack. You know, I'm sure that that's coming down the road. How soon it comes, <clears throat> excuse me, I think we'll see. But, you know, certainly if you're a you know, you know, if you are in the in the higher ups of the administration of the mayor's office at any of these major cities, you're looking at the windfall, the economic windfall that these games produce. And you've got to stand. I mean, you've got to stand in line and say, hey, what about us? And I think what's really interesting in Ireland, where you're at, Mike, is you're going to have Notre Dame and Navy come for a college football game next year. And you had Nebraska and Northwestern this past season. I think that's a great test balloon for Ireland, because if they can do a great job of hosting that game, and I have no reason to believe they won't. And if they can sell it out, which is, you know, which remains to be seen, but if they can sell out Aviva stadium and they can create an environment that is, as close to an NFL environment as you can possibly make it, then I think the Steelers in particular would look at that situation because the Steelers, you know, are going to become, I think the Steelers are going to become much more active in, in the Irish market. And it's just a natural, you know, the Rooney family, the, you know, they've been involved in the politics uh, in, in that country. That's where the roots are. Um, they've been, uh, involved in you know diplomacy with ireland it just it just all makes sense and so i agree i think that that's one of the places and certainly paris would say hey wait a second we are we are paris right there's and and there's an nba game in paris in two hours time tonight yeah and so uh, those are all international cities berlin's gonna say hey wait about what about us right and that's that's the real pity and it's, it's the one thing i didn't know jeff when we when i produced that or and still produce that German podcast for Good Iron. It was there's some local law in Berlin which which doesn't allow it to like apply for it didn't allow it to apply. So I think they'd love the Olympia Stadium to have a game. It's the perfect place. 
It's the full capacity. It would be a, an absolute beezer of a time. You know and I know the, the, that the German market's changing, everything's changing. It's, it's going to be a, a very, very exciting time over the next, I'd say, 12 to 36 months, both in the, the UK, Ireland, Europe, following the sport. And I'd say anybody who's a fan, regardless of what team you are, you're, you're a happy man or woman today with seeing the news because... I remember when there was one game a year and you were happy to see anybody and now you've got Josh Allen and Vaughn Miller playing one week and you know it's just it's um I think the I think the seventeenth week was a masterstroke. I, I I you could see them doing eighteen weeks because I think it's a work of genius because if it means people around the world can watch it and look I probably never would have been into it unless I could have went to a game. So you know, I think that's. I think it speaks volumes in terms of the, of of the impact. And um, let's see, will there will there be a Super Bowl champion coming to London next year? Or well, let's see. So let's get to that. Let's get to the Elite Eight. Let's get to the divisional round. Uh, Going to kick it off with the Chiefs and the Jags. Hold on, hold I, on. You're 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 in Manchester this weekend. Now you're like we are in what, Manchester. What, yes. What, we what's are. the plan? Well, What's the I plan? I can't divulge all of that, but we will be in Manchester. <laughs> we'll be doing it live. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be an interactive show. Uh, I was laughing with Neil the other day that, um, you know, he's probably going to have to have three sets of seat belts, you know, installed on <laughs> Jason and Phoebe and our, my chairs because – you know, the, the chance to interact with the fans is, is going to be a lot of fun. I, I think it's really going to be a great show. Obviously, the producers and everybody that's involved in it, you know, they do the real work. We're just out there having fun with the fans. But I, I think the Chiefs and the Jags game is is going to be one that will be really interesting to watch. Patrick Mahomes, I think he's thrown 30 touchdowns or around there and has not thrown an interception in divisional round play. He's 4-0 in divisional round play. Obviously, the Jags, you, amazing comeback last week. It was a tremendous coaching job by Doug Peterson. Uh, every facet of their football team contributed. ATN had 100 yards rushing. You know, the receivers played out their minds. And, and you know, let's give some credit to a young quarterback who, in his really his entire career has, has enjoyed nothing but success. And to go out in his first playoff game and throw four interceptions and be able to overcome that says to me an awful lot about Trevor Lawrence. So I, I think it's going to be a great football game. I've, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one, Michael, because I just think they have a, you know, they're rested, they're healthy. Andy Reid has another week to prepare and I, I think that they're going to be too much for the Jags. You're talking there about your experience this weekend in, in Shooter McGavin's bar in Manchester. Shooters, uh, I'm joking, Shooter McGavin. Happy Gilmore fans will love me there. Um, I think you're doing yourself a discredit because I genuinely think, and I said this to you on Tuesday, I think having you guys on TV the other night on Monday night when it was very late helps a lot. So f- f- thank you for what you do and for what the team does there. Um, I went to bed at half time last Saturday night. I'm not. <laughs> you know you. I did. Uh, hey, you can cut that out of this show, but I'm no, I've that. I've openly said it on different podcasts. It's fine. Like, like I I went to bed. I I thought the game was done. I thought the game was done even when the Jags scored a touchdown. In was it like the play before the half? I genuinely thought there was no way in hell Doug Peterson's coming back from this, and by God, he did. And then looking this week, and seeing that the last time when the Jags 
um, went to Arrowhead in like November or whatever it was to first play the game Doug Peterson goes for it or was it the the onside kick or whatever I mean it just shows you the cojones that he has but also you can see all week and throughout uh, the post game last week the belief that this team has and Doug Peterson speaks volumes in terms of how much the Jaguars have grown over the last year when you get Evan Anger when you got Christian Kirk Trevor Lawrence Travis Etienne on that offense never mind this defense they have a chance if they go to Arrowhead honestly Jeff and put up anywhere between 34 to 38 points uh, I know that's a big if. They have a hell of a chance in this game. And if they win that game, it blows the AFC wide open. Now, the only problem is they're playing Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so, there you go. Bingo. And not only Patrick Mahomes, but Chris Jones and Karlaftis and all that bunch. And, you know, I agree with it, – it's going to take 34-38 to win this game. Absolutely. I, I just don't think that Jacksonville and – I could be wrong, right? I just don't know if they're going to be able to be that productive on offense. See, football, and and this is interesting because you talked about, you know, you you went to bed at halftime. When they scored at the end of the half, I said to Neil off off the camera, I said, they've got a chance now. Because when you look at a game, you're normally going to get five or six possessions in a half, right? Well, if you do the math, they went four scores down, right? And then they have their second half possessions. Now, they've got to be really good and they got to get some breaks and a lot of that stuff, but they got back in it. Had they not scored that that touchdown at the end of the half, it would have been almost impossible for it to happen. But that touchdown gave them life. And that's, you know, when you start counting possessions, that's what you come up with. Um Another one that day is this was I think this is going to be a great football game. And I am really anxious to watch it because the Eagles, who have been the best team in the NFC for most of the year uh, until their quarterback gets hurt at the end, they kind of stumble a little bit to the finish line. Uh, Jalen Hurts comes back week 18. Obviously, Sirianni wanted to get the rust off of him. They protected him. You know, they didn't expose him to a lot of hits. He didn't throw the ball particularly well. I mean, he made a couple plays, but they looked kind of listless on offense. They're going to go against the Giants, the same team they played week 18. But I'm going to tell you something. That Giants coaching job against the Vikings was masterful. That was a master class by Brian Dable and his staff, Kafka and, and Wink Martindale, of utilization of personnel, obviously understanding who you had to beat, how you had to beat a team, right? Situational football, you know, composure, all the things that come into the great coaching jobs that are done in pressure situations involve all of those things. There were more, everybody talks about Daniel Jones's game, right? And he did, he played extremely well, probably the best, I heard O.C. and Jason talking about he was the best quarterback on the weekend. He probably was. But let's look at beyond that, the obvious. Let's look at how did that happen. Number one, he was playing against a very, very average defense. One of the worst, frankly, in the NFL. But that's okay because they're still NFL players. You know, you still got Harrison Smith. You still got, you know, I mean, you got players over on the other side. You know, 
Hendrickson. And, I mean, you got guys, right? So it wasn't like he was playing, he was playing against a high school team. But what they did schematically to, to scheme up some quarterback runs and give him an opportunity to get the ball on the perimeter and how they were able to throw in breaking cuts primarily, things that were easy for him to see. And the way that they protected, you know, because you got Zedaria Smith and, you know, Danielle Hunter, you got good pass rushers on the other side. I thought it was great. And then the 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 big key was Wink Martindale. Now, I've known Wink for a long, long time, and I consider him a friend. Get him on the show next week. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if I could do that as long as they're still playing, but I, I consider him a friend. And one of the things that he is all about is pressure defense. And it probably is the reason that the Ravens let him go a year ago because he was going to pre- – they lost all those defensive backs, and he kept – running his scheme, which is the pressure, and he didn't have enough DBs to hold up. Whether he learned it through that or whether it was Dayball came into his meeting, into his room and said, hey, Wink, we, here's what we got to do to win this football game. It doesn't matter, right? To me, it doesn't matter. He did something that he doesn't do, and that's rush four guys, play coverage in the back end, always be plus one to Jefferson. Football's numbers, right? You can either be plus one in the rush or you'd be plus one in the coverage. He chose to play plus one in the coverage always to Jefferson. And Jefferson averaged less than seven yards a touch in the game. That's amazing, right? He didn't have Jair Alexander like the Packers did. He doesn't have that guy, right? He doesn't have – his DBs are all chewed up, right? And so he knows he can't win one-on-one matchups. So what's he do? He he goes against what his nature is, which is the pressure. And he does it not just for a little bit, because I'm watching the game as it starts. And I'm thinking, I remember saying this on, on the show. Oh, there's some disinformation from Wink because he played all zone that first series and they go right down and score, right? And I thought, okay, well, I see what he's doing. He's just going to make them think that they're going to play zone against all this stuff. But damned if he didn't stay with it. And then the last play of the game, the crucial play of the game, right, where you would say, if you talk to coaches, they'll tell you, most of them will anyway, that you look at the personality and the history of the coordinator going against you. And then when you get in those pressure-filled situations, what do we do as human beings when we're under stress? we go right back to what we know or what we have confidence with or what we've always done, right? Wink didn't do that. He said, nope, I'm going to play coverage over Jefferson, right? And he won a football game. And that's genius to me. That's genius coaching because it goes against your nature. And in pressure-filled situations where you're playing single elimination football, to go against your nature for 60 minutes is is – I think one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen. I think that analysis is absolutely, honestly, superb. For me, I'll I'll try and do some sort of justice not to it here. Without doing, I'll, I'll talk about the offense side of the ball. If you look at this game at the weekend, for me, the the the, the position that stands out 
that the Giants must maximise over the Eagles has to be Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is miles better, in my opinion, than the Eagles run game. And he needs to find a way to just rush, 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 then use the X factor with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones on his feet has found a different level with this Giants team. And what Brian Dable has been able to do with, quite frankly, an average roster is sensational. And I made this point earlier on. We are now just over a month from the last time that the Eagles played with Jalen Hurts at full health against the Bears. He is not a limited participant in practice anymore. But my question is this, Jeff, and I'd love to know your analysis on this. How fit is Jalen Hurts going into this postseason how how active is he in this game will he be able to have the ball to get deep shots down the field will he have enough space will the Giants defense get at him so intriguing and there's so many ifs that the Giants need to rely on and and I get it it's their first run since the last time they won it with Eli I completely get the the desire the the want to win I mean every team every fan wants to see their team win the Super Bowl but surely this is the weekend where like, surely if the Eagles are going to put a marker down because the Eagles Jeff have sat and they've watched Purdy who now and we'll talk about this Purdy has a higher EPA than Mahomes statistically at the minute which is absolutely ridiculous oh, but, don't go there with me with all the statistical stuff all the all the, all the no but it's, it's funny because they, 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 Jeff they, they've sat for a week so the Eagles have sat for a week they've sat for more than a week without Jalen Hurts and they've had to watch all this Niner hype train Niner hype train the pressure is fully on Philadelphia here it's not on New York so that's for me what the most intriguing thing is this game I I don't think there's any question I mean all the pressure's on Philadelphia because all the expectations are with Philadelphia Philadelphia is a better football team I shouldn't say that they're a better roster they are what (laughs) has to happen on what has to happen in this game is New York's got to be better for 60 minutes than Philadelphia. Now, how do they do that? Number one, they've got to, they've got to get after the quarterback, right? Number two, they've got to understand that they have to somehow find a way to stay on schedule on offense because if, if they get off schedule and Daniel Jones has to win the game from the pocket, against the pass rushers that Philadelphia can roll at you because they're too deep with pass rushers. And let's face it, Neal has struggled at tackle for the Giants. He's been one of the one of the lowest rated pass blockers at right tackle. He, he's a young kid learning how to play in the NFL. Not to say he won't be a good player, but he's struggled. And they're going to be taken, I mean, they'll be, like when you go to the ice cream store, you know, and they say you're customer number three or you're customer number five, those defensive linemen are going to go over there and say, give me a card to go against McNeil or against Neil. Make me the, make me customer number one against Neil because he struggled. I mean, let's be honest. It's, it's what it is. If they can stay on schedule and if they can do what they did to a very average Minnesota defense, which is, create chunk plays, drive the ball, keep the ball away from the op- the opponent, they got a chance. And if Jalen Hurts isn't healthy and nobody knows, they've taken him off the injury report, which means he's off the injury report, right? It doesn't mean he's 100%. If they can hit him a little bit and get him off of his game, 
they have a chance. They have a real chance. Remember that Lane Johnson, the best right tackle in football, arguably, is not going to play in this game, right? So there's one little chink in that armor, right? But the the Eagles should win the game. It's at home. They're the better football team, roster wise. Mm-hmm. But you know as well as I do, Michael, for 60 minutes, all you got to do is get be one point better than your opponent and you get to play again. The pressure is on the Eagles, firmly on the Eagles. The expectation in Philly is they're going to the Super Bowl. Well, that expectation can be a big, big yoke around your neck sometimes. I think for me, it must have been a weird year in the NFC to watch as both someone working on it and as a fan. I think we deserve a Niners-Eagles NFC Championship. And I would expect nothing less of that for next week. And I pray to God that we get it, Jeff. I guess my question before we look at the Sunday slate is, what's the plan after on Saturday night? Are you, are you heading out? Are you gonna, no, no, I'm we're going to stay up and we're going to do, do the Sunday game up there too. So, so uh, wow, okay. Like, is, is the crowd there all night, basically? Is, is that the plan? Or was... I, I know. As far as I'm looking through the crowd, I can't tell you that. But I'm sure, you know, Shooters is going to, yeah, obviously, it's a big thing for them to have the show there and to have the fans there. And, you know, I was saying to you before, Jeff, I done a, like, we, we done a meetup with the Broncos years ago. You'll love it. Look, obviously, Manchester is a great, great, great city, but it's, it's quite a good spot to have it there's a stage and stuff so I'm sure you have a great time and obviously uh, have a Guinness for me I, I, I feel bad not coming over now I feel like I should have came over and, and sat there and seen if I would see if I get, if I get kicked out before the late game but um, very much looking forward to it so what Sunday we've got the um, Bengals and we've got the Bills that's, a, that's one hell of a game my man that is one hell of a game on Sunday because I'd, I'd love to know what your thoughts are around around the Bengals because for me last week with the Ravens and, and the offensive line for the Bengals it, it, it was not worrying to watch but you, you feel Jeff that if Buffalo can take it up a gear in what's going to be a very very emotional game with Damar Hamlin I wouldn't I, I, you said it last week I wouldn't be surprised if Damar Hamlin is waiting for a championship game to come out to the crowd but if this was going to be in terms of emotion he could do it in this game something tells me this Bills defence is going to run ragged I don't know what it is but they had a scare last week, certainly. I, I think when you, look at this, week. when you look at this game, I think it's going to come down to whose offensive line plays best. You know, who can protect the quarterback? Josh Allen got sacked seven times last week. Now, obviously, it's a different kind of scheme. They're not going to see all the, you know, exotic pressures that Miami gave them. But also, the Bengals did not tear it up on offense at all. And part of the reason was trying to protect Joe Burrow. And then you go and lose your left tackle to a dislocated knee. And that's not, you know, that that's not going to help them. So I think whatever team can, can protect their passer the best, you've obviously got weapons all over this field, right? Uh, you know, Gabriel Davis is a sensation in the playoffs. Big game game. Cole Beasley gives him, a, you know, a, a, another weapon. He went out and played really well the other night. Um, really, really well the overnight, Jeff. Like for, I think for Cole Beasley to come back and play like that so quickly is a testament to him because he was excellent. Well, he, he does. He did what Cole Beasley do. Dawson Knox, I thought, had an unbelievable game. And, you know, we haven't even, we haven't even talked about Stefan Diggs. I mean, they've got weapons now. Same thing on the other side, right? You know, you got Jamar Chase, 
right? You got T. Higgins. You know, you you look at Joe Mixon, to me, he, he's got to get his touches, whether they're running it or throwing it. The the thing that I that I just look at the Bills and I worry if I'm a Bills fan is are we too one-dimensional? Do we have the ability to run the football at all? Because they just flat got out of the run against Miami. You know, it's just Singletary and Cook are good, good players, but it's the mentality of Ken Dorsey, the signal caller, right? So we'll see how it goes. I, I think, again, it's at it's in Buffalo. You know mm. the you know what that environment's going to be like. Now, Joe Joe Burrow's not going to be intimidated by that certainly in, by any stretch. Bengals have an opportunistic defense. Hendrickson, you know, he and Hubbard have I think it's like 15 and a half sacks between them, right? They they have the ability to rush the passer. But, you know, again, who's going to make the big mistake. I think, you know, this is where playoff football usually turns. And, you know, the Who's going to win? The Jags last week, you know, broke down that old cliche, but certainly I think that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, and then Michael in the night game, what a game, the 49ers and the Cowboys. It's like going back historic, it's historic like going back Jeff. to the 90s. And it's funny, I was talking to Jesse Sapolo, and we were talking about the old rivalry in the nineties, you know, and it was, he said it was so intense that it was beyond the players on the field, beyond the coaches. It was to the owners, right? DiBartolo didn't like Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones was, didn't like DiBartolo. They wanted to show that they were better, that they were bigger, that they were shinier, that, you know, they, DiBartolo took incredible pride in how he treated his players, how they traveled first class. You know, everything was, you know, they were one of the first teams to have their own plane and do all that. And and Jerry took tremendous pride in taking his players, <laughs> frankly. And you look at the number of guys that switched allegiances during that time. Kenny Norton, Deion Sanders, Charles Haley. I mean, you're talking about some of the best players of their era going back and forth between the most intense rivals in the NFC. I think this is going to be an unbelievable game. The Cowboys defense going up against that 49ers offense. Now, look, a lot of people can sit here and say that the Bucks were rubbish and didn't deserve to be in the playoffs and the Cowboys look better than what they were. The Dallas Cowboys played who they had to play and obviously Dak Prescott has a, has, has a great night. I'm really intrigued by this whole kicker talk with Brett Maher because if it comes to an extra point or a field goal on Sunday, that it's going to, it's going to happen. They're not going to, it's not not going to happen at some point. So it's going to happen at some point. The pressure that lads under, and I, I honestly think it's it's ballsy, and you have to applaud Mike McCarthy for not not caving in the council culture and saying, oh no, we'll 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 bring somebody else in. Going by Jerry Jones on. Uh, in the owners' box the overnight, he was he was he looked livid. So f- fair play to Mike McCarthy for 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 making that call and keeping them in. Uh, look, it's as simple as this, Jeff. Brock Purdy, three passing touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey, two rushing touchdowns. And if if the Cowboys can match that, fair play to them. I I, I think I think it's going to take an awful lot to beat this Niners team between getting there and Arizona. I I just don't see how it's going to happen. Like in any other way, I think the Eagles. 
that's what I'm most looking forward to this weekend is to see how the Eagles perform against the Giants. But th- this Niners team are on a roll. They've won 11 in a row, I think, to make it 12 this weekend. And then we ask on Monday about Mike McCarthy and if he's going to be there next season because Jerry Jones keeps saying he will. So uh, I look forward to his weekly radio calling on, on Monday morning. Well, I, I think, Michael, I, I want to address the, the uh, Brett Maher thing. Right, because I was fortunate enough to work with Brett. He, he, he was my kicker for one year in the CFL before he went and made it. He's been in Dallas before. He made it with the Cowboys, went through again a very similar situation, not four extra points in a, in a game, but he kind of got the yips a little bit, and they cut him. He kind of worked his way back and then made the team again this year and has had an unbelievable year. He's a 90%, 90% guy, right? And I, when I say that, I mean 93%, I think, extra points and 90% on field goals. There aren't very many guys have that kind of year this year. What I was concerned with was that exactly what you talked about, that they would cave into the, you know, the safe thing, which is cut him and bring somebody else in. And if that guy fails, then at least you did something. Now, Brett has to go out and perform. My year with him would tell me that he's uniquely qualified or uniquely um, wired to do that. He's, if you know his history, he's a Nebraska kid from Omaha, kicked at the University of Nebraska. There's a lot of pressure involved in doing that, being being a local kid. He was working as a school teacher, you know, before he got his opportunity to make an NFL team. He's like a lot of kickers. They get cut a million times before they finally get a chance to make the team. Um, And the year that I had him, he made numerous big kicks for us and he missed some, right? But he always had the ability to put it away. Now, this is a different stage, right? This is the NFL divisional round. So, yes, the pressure's on him. I am hopeful for him. I am. I love the kid. He's a great person. And, you know, it would be a great story. A, a far better story to me would be Brett Maher kicking a game winner, right, than Brett Maher missing one and then the whole world say, see, I told you. Exactly. Right? I, I don't think it's right for someone to... To, to say that because like yeah the, the, the pressure someone's under generally in, in this league or in hell in the xfl any any type of situation <laughs> i think you, you can't i think people are very easy to be down in people these days when they don't maybe don't realize but the true sort of or the the full picture and i think i think you're damn right in what you're saying man, completely um the big picture of the game to me is exactly i feel like you how can you i mean the, it can happen the Cowboys can go up there. They've got enough. You know, Parsons can make plays. He's a guy that can wreck a game for you just on raw ability. They can get after you rushing the passer. They've got good players in the second level, right? They do. They're, I mean, they're a good defense. Offensively, they've got to find a way to run the ball. And you look at that game that I think – Kellen Moore, the offensive corner, that's that game last week is a blueprint for Dak having success because Dak had thrown more interceptions than anybody in football coming into that game. And he played extremely well. Look at it. 
schematically what they did. You know, Michael, that there were 12 touches out of his tight ends and running backs in that game, right? He didn't rely on throwing the ball down the field to C.D. Lamb and T.Y. Hilton. They made plays, but Dalton Schultz was the story of that game. He was unreal. He was unreal, honestly. Like, just the, the go-to guy for the Cowboys where you think, yeah, like, Doc go to C.D. or you give it off to Pollard. Dalton Schultz just opens it up. <laughs> and so think good about him. And Pollard, Pollard, I mean, Zeke was a no-show. I mean, he was a no-show. Pollard, you saw his change of pace. You saw his burst. You saw his ability out of the backfield. If he can get the ball to Pollard, he can get the ball to Schultz, and he can take his shots when the shots are there, they have a chance, right? But if he's got to go back (coughs) and San Francisco can take away the run and he has to throw it 40 times from the pocket, not a recipe for success for Dallas, right? But I do think the Cowboys are going to make this a great game. It's going to take, in my opinion, over 28 to win the game. Can can the Cowboys do that? We'll see. I think it'll be a shootout. It could be a shootout. I, I just... I just I I want to see a very very high scoring game where it's close, but I just I think it'll be a situation where we're getting through three quarters, it's a shootout, and then the Niners could pull away. So we'll see what happens. So I'm taking, I'll take the Chiefs on Saturday. I'll take the Eagles. I'm gonna be bored here and pick all the favorites, aren't they? I'm gonna take the Bills. I'm gonna take the Niners. Is there anybody? Or are you the exact same? Or is there any? I'm taking that's any the same way. I've, I've said for two months that I think the 49ers gonna win the Super Bowl. I think they're the best team right now. And, you know, they're for a lot of reasons. You know, obviously, I want to I want to talk about Brock Purdy. Just one second. Go you for know, it. Here's the thing. Everybody says, you know, they compare Brock Purdy to Kurt Warner, right? This overnight sensation. There's two very different things about these two players. Yes, they are doing the last quarterback to do what Brock Purdy's done was Kurt Warner. Yes, Kurt Warner had what? The greatest show on turf. He had the best back in football coming out of the backfield or handing it off to, right? Brock Purdy, right, is the last player picked in the draft this past year. Kurt Warner had been cut by the Packers. So he's already he'd been to one training camp. He went to arena football and was a was a star in arena football. It's still football, it's still pro ball, you know. And then he had a full season of 10 games as a starter in NFL Europe before he went back for another training camp with the Cowboys. Brock Purdy a year ago was just coming out of a bowl game with Iowa State, right? So he has far less experience than Kurt Warner had when Kurt Warner took over the St. Louis Rams, right? So that 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 really makes what he's done even more incredible to me. This kid was the Arizona High School Player of the Year as a senior in high school. 
He went to Iowa State, and Iowa State is not a hyper college football power. They're a they're a bottom of the Big Twelve team historically, right? He had a winning record in four years as a starter at that place. I can't think of another quarterback who started that many games at that school that could say he was a win, had a winning record. Now, why did he last until the last pick of the draft? He's six feet tall, right? They list him at six one. He's not six one. He's six feet. He doesn't have a great big arm. He doesn't run four four, right? He doesn't fit a lot of the profiles that they look for. But when you look past it. This is a kid that's had success his whole career. Yes, sir. Sorry, I don't know what happened in the internet there. I've been really, really impressed with him because people have been saying for weeks of, oh, he's going to be under pressure. He's going to mess up eventually. There's going to be a situation here where it's not going to work for him and he's going to flake out. And it hasn't happened. The only flinch of issues was in the first half against the Seahawks last week. And what happened in the second half, Jeff? He came back. I, I think the Niners have got a serious... I, I genuinely think, like, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, for all you can praise them and say they've done a great job to bring in Brock Purdy and, and draft Trey Lance and they've been very unlucky and they've been very smart with, with their uh, with their with, with their trading for Christian McCaffrey and all this. I think they've got a serious dilemma in the offseason, which we can look at down the stretch and talk about it. You know, how do you manage that quarterback room? How do well, you get value from Jimmy Garoppolo? It's well, very, very difficult for him. But he's, he's been very, very impressive. And if he if he led them to Arizona, he's from Arizona, as as, as you've rightly said there. It's um, it's a fairy tale waiting to happen. Yeah, and and you know it might end up that way. And I I think you know they've still got two really good football teams to play, two of the better teams record wise in the NFC to play, right? So. You know, I, I, I'm not anointing them. I think they're the best team in that division because they've got one of the best fullbacks in football, one of the best ta- tailbacks in football, one of the best left tackles in football, one of the best tight ends in football. You know, the kicker has never missed. You, you talk about the Cowboys and compare the kickers. Robbie Gold's never missed a kick in the playoffs in his whole career. That's right? insane. That is they got insane. Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk. I mean, they, they are loaded. And I haven't even talked about the defense, right? So that's what makes me think that they should win. But this is the playoffs, and it doesn't always work that way. Now, I understand we might have some questions out there, Michael. We do. We've one from Thomas, who's a big Bills fan, saying, what do the Bills need? Wait, wait. where's Thomas 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 is from Yorkshire. He wants to know, um, what do the Bills need to do to get over the line in the playoffs? Well, Josh can't. I shouldn't say he can't turn it over because he can turn it over because he can make up for it with his, you know, his natural ability. But I think they've got to limit the disaster throws that he makes because he will make one a game usually, right? As the competition gets closer, the margins get tighter. And so I think it's, he's got to play smart within the scheme football as much as possible but yet still go out and do his thing without creating a disaster play. They got to protect him. Uh, I worry about the bills a little bit defensively and their ability to get to the passer. Uh, now their back end is Tredavious white and, uh, and you know, um, 
you know, they, they may get Micah Hyde and Poyer back together again. I think if that happens, they got a real, real chance. But I think they're they're good, not great in the secondary. Their linebackers are extremely good. Milano is playing high-level football. Uh, Edwards has always been a real impressive middle linebacker to me. But I think that's what it's going to come down to. They're very good right now on special teams. Neheim Hines has given them a huge lift in the kick in the return game. Um, so, again, it's going to come down really to how that offensive line plays for me. Final one uh, is from Aaron in Glasgow, who wants to know about Justin Jefferson. How much should the, how much should the Minnesota Vikings pay him? There's a, apparently they are looking at his contract as, as it stands. Yeah, they have to pay him. I mean, th- there's no way they can let that kid out of town, right? And the problem that that creates is when you, you know, whatever they choose to do to keep him, whether it's franchise him or, you know, give him a new contract or whatever, they're going to have to be really creative because the reality of the Vikings right now is they've still got to get better. They, and and where, where are you going to get the money to get better, Right. I think I mean you, you're you're paying Kirk Cousins on the ridiculous amount of money yeah, for a start. Yeah, well, and you got some other guys on. You got some defensive guys that are Zadarius and and Harrison Smith and those guys. Those are veterans who come at a high price, right? So they're going to have to make some decisions in the offseason about where they're going to spend their money, which everybody has to do. That's the thing about it's great to have a superstar, a young superstar, but when he gets to that second contract, that's when it starts to you know, add up. And when you start putting big contracts next to big contracts, the only way to fit all that in under the cap is to backfill with rookies. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they uh, manipulate it. That's what I got for this week. But I have to say, Jeff, it has been, as I say over here, great crack chatting to you, not just about these games in London and Germany, but uh, looking ahead to the weekend, obviously wish you safe passage to Manchester. I know the trains are a bit dodgy at the minute, so Neil might have to get on the bike and and, 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 and take you up. But uh, as a fan, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing yourself, Phoebe, Jason and Neil's analysis on, on Saturday and Sunday and would recommend anyone to, to watch it um, Saturday and Sunday on, on Sky Sports and Jeff we will, be, we, we will be back at least once next week and then the week after you're coming over to Ireland so it's going to be great crack um, some announcements coming on that in the next few days and weeks and obviously uh, Richard Graves our dear friend is going to be MC in that and you've completely sold out two venues so you should be very very proud of yourself for your uh we jeff we we probably could have sold dublin out three times over so well i'm gonna tell you something i just i'm so grateful for the fans in ireland and their passion for the game and it's going to be a lot of fun to spend those two nights over there yes sir uh that's all i have to say if you want to sign us off my friend all right aloha from the jeff reinbold show and you are here with me and my boy mike see you soon folks